Good morning again, everybody. Welcome and thank you for joining us. For those of you who don't know, my name is Aaron Glover. I'm the pastor here at FBC. We're so glad to have you with us, guests, and for the first time, we're glad that you joined us. And for those who are joining us online, we're glad that you're here with us as well. So we're in the middle of a series. We're actually toward the end. I say in the middle because this series went a lot further than I ever planned on. But we're getting towards the end of a series that we've called Follow Me. We've been looking at the life, the teachings, the miracles of Jesus through the eyes of the disciples. But last week, we switched gears a little bit. We followed along as a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene went to the tomb of Jesus. After he had been betrayed and wrongfully tried and sentenced to death by his own people, he was crucified, he hung on that cross, he died, he was buried in a tomb, and on the third day he rose from that grave. And the Gospel of John tells us that a woman of, uh, by the name of Mary came along very early while it was still dark. And when she came to the tomb, she discovered that the stone had been rolled away and that the tomb was empty. So she went back and she ran and told Peter and John. She went to talk to them and told them to come look and check it out. And they go running, right? They come running and John reminds us that he got to the tomb first before Peter did. They find, they go to the empty tomb, right? These are, this is Peter the leader and, and John the author of this gospel. They get to the empty tomb and there's nothing. Just an empty tomb. Now the scripture tells us that they decide to go back home. So Mary's there weeping. She comes along at some point and, and she's weeping. And then the scripture tells us that she sees these angels that speak to her. She doesn't really seem to realize that they're angels, but then Jesus himself speaks to her. Jesus decided that the first person he was going to reveal himself to was not one of his disciples, not the leader of his disciples, but to this woman named Mary. And she's so excited that she sees Jesus. Once she realizes he calls her by name, she, she goes and she hugs him. She's clinging to him. And Jesus tells her, don't cling to me yet. I, I haven't yet ascended to my father. But he tells Mary, he says, but go and tell my brothers. Right? If we remember, Jesus has called his disciples, his servants, uh, his followers, but never before has he called them his brothers. But he tells Mary, go and tell my brothers that I am ascending to my father and your father. Because of the cross, his father is now our father in the same relationship. And he tells her also, I'm ascending to my God and your God. He's identifying that we have become into the same relationship that he is with the father. Okay, Remember, John 1.12 reminds us, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right... To become children of God. To receive him, to believe in his name, you become a child of God. And then he tells her, he says, go and tell them this. So what does Mary do? Mary runs back to the disciples and she tells them, I have seen the Lord. Now over the next few days, Jesus would actually appear many times to his disciples. We'll get to a few in a minute. But today what we're going to focus on 
as we're still in this series, today we're going to see a glorious restoration of someone who denied Jesus multiple times. And instead of being met with rebuke and and punishment, Jesus simply invites him back in. That's what we're going to see today is Jesus and Peter have an exchange. But let's set it up real quick. So after his resurrection, right, Jesus was on the earth for 40 days after his resurrection. We know that from the book of Acts, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Jesus was on the earth for 40 days. He makes all these appearances to, to his disciples. Um, he, he appears to all these different groups. We can go to the slide that has a table on it real quick back there, Kip. Okay. That font's way too small. Anyways, here's a list of a bunch of the appearances of Jesus. This records them in Matthew and Mark and in Luke and in John. But one of the things that all of these appearances have in common is that Jesus is only recorded in the Bible appearing to believers. It's never the people that deny him. It's never the people who would not believe. Jesus only appears to believers or those who would become believers. So we have all these appearances. And actually... um, He appears to the disciples. The book of John tells us he appears to the disciples without Thomas once. And then a little over a week later, he appears to them again with Thomas. And Thomas is the one who's got that nickname Doubting Thomas because he said, unless I can see it and touch it, I won't believe it. But then Thomas does, whenever he does see the Lord, he confesses Jesus. He says, my Lord and my God. He confesses that Jesus is in fact God. So the book of John tells us three different times that he appears to the disciples, okay? So the first time, he appears to them without Thomas. The second time, he appears to them as a group with Thomas. And then today, what we're going to focus on is this third appearance to a group of disciples while they're out fishing, okay? So as they were instructed, the book of Matthew uh, Chapter 28, verse 10, they're instructed to go wait in Galilee. So the first couple of appearances when Jesus appears to them, they're all in Jerusalem. But then they go to Galilee. That's where he told them to go wait. So the disciples go back to Galilee. And if we remember, Galilee is where Peter's from, Andrew's from, James, John. They were fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. That's where they're from. Jesus has told them to go back and wait for him. So that's what they do. And while they're there, Peter decides, you know, I'm going to go fishing. So a group of them decide to go fishing, right? This was their career before Jesus ever came along in their lives, especially for, again, Peter, Andrew, his brother, James and John, the other brothers that were their business partners. They decide to go fishing. Now, I don't really want to try to read too much into that statement because some people, I've heard it said, it said, well, Peter didn't have anything left. He didn't believe anymore. So he just had given everything up and gone back to his old life. No, Jesus has appeared to them multiple times. And then he told them to go wait in Galilee. They went back to Galilee being obedient to what he had commanded. Honestly, this could be something as simple as they were going back to, they needed to make some money, right? They have to survive. They got things to do. And so they decided they're going to go back and do some fishing. So the scripture tells us that seven of them decide to go fishing with, or six of them go with Peter. We have Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, John, and then two others who are not named for some reason. 
So again, they, they decide to go fishing. They're out fishing all night. And let's think about this from their perspective, okay? Over the past few weeks, they've seen Jesus die. They knew he was buried. They went to the tomb. Then later when they were gathered, he appeared miraculously in front of them. He's appeared to them multiple times. They've seen the risen Savior a couple of times at this point. So I, as they're fishing, I can't help but wonder what their conversation was about. You know, they've, they've been in instances where they've been in the middle of the, of the ocean and Jesus has miraculously appeared to them or come walking beside the water. I wonder if they were thinking anything like that might have been happening or going to happen. So anyways, they're, they're fishing. They're, they're fishing all night long with nothing to catch. They don't catch a single thing. And then about dawn, as they're fishing, they've been working all night, right? So at this time, they're, they're tired, they're worn out. A voice comes calling out to them from the shore. Now, they're only about 100, 100 yards away from the shore, 300 feet. They hear a voice kind of calling out to them, right? You boys ain't caught anything, have you? That's how he would say it if he was from East Texas, but... And so I'm sure in the boat, as they've been working all night, you know, tired, kind of worn out, they've been working, and they hear some, somebody from the shore being like, y'all haven't caught anything. I'm sure they were all perturbed, like, no. And then the voice from the shore says, well, why don't you throw the net on the other side? You'll catch something that way. Now, men, real quick, when somebody gives you fishing advice, what do you want to do with that advice? That's not what you want to do, is it? So I can't, again, I imagine if, if they, didn't, they didn't recognize yet that this was Jesus calling out to them. So I almost kind of think in the boat if, if one of them wasn't kind of being a smart aleck or if maybe, you know, the one we call Doubting Thomas, who's probably Mr. Realistic Thomas, was like, well, fine, let's just throw it over there so we don't catch nothing. Then we can tell them that didn't work either. But for whatever reason, they decide to throw the nets on the other side. Okay. They haven't caught anything. They figure maybe they're just desperate. Hey, we'll just, we've been fishing on this side. Let's just throw it on that side like that stranger said. And who knows? Maybe it'll work. It probably won't. And then we can tell him he was wrong too. They throw it on the other side. And then, boom, a catch so big, they can't even start hauling it in. They can't even get it. They're trying to get, you'd imagine these, these nets. You've got seven grown men four of which are professional, capable fishermen, can't even haul this catch of fish in. Can you imagine how big this is? This thing's probably rocking their boat as they're doing this. And then all of a sudden, John realizes who the person on the shore is. And John proclaims it, and he says, it's the Lord. Now, remember this with me. What, what did we say Peter, uh, Andrew, James, and John were before they became disciples. They were fishermen. And when Jesus came along to them, they were fishing when he first gave them the call to follow me. But if we look back at the book of Luke in chapter 5, we mentioned it earlier in our series that one day while Jesus was teaching a crowd, right? He was walking along the shore. He walks around. Uh, he's got this crowd following. He comes to a boat, right? He gets into the boat and he tells the person to push off, go out a little bit, and it's Simon Peter. 
goes out and he says, now throw your net down. And what does Peter say to him? This is at the very beginning when they had met only once or twice probably. Peter said, Lord, we had worked all night and caught nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And what happened whenever Peter let down those nets as Jesus had told him? Boom, a huge catch that they, were, they couldn't even haul in. And so they had to call James and John to come over and help them. And their nets were tearing, is what the scripture says. And so this same instance that happens after the resurrection probably caused John to remember, Hey, I've lived this before. I remember this has happened. That's Jesus. It's the Lord. And whenever Peter hears that it's the Lord, okay, his reaction is, I mean, it's almost comical in a way, because I'm trying to imagine this in my mind. You have, you have Peter in the boat. He's, he's stripped for work, right? He's, just, he's got his overcoat off. He's only got his undergarment on, kind of they're working and all that. As soon as he hears the Lord, it's the Lord. For some reason, Peter grabs his overcoat his overcloak, throws it on, and just jumps out of the boat into the water and just starts swimming for shore as fast as he can. Now hang on, what are the other six guys doing? They still got the catch to bring in. And there's Peter just hauling for shore. He's just going, he's swimming as fast as he can, I can't imagine. Now, I'm trying to think of why Peter did it this way. But part of me wonders if he was like, you know, John's not going to beat me this time, and just jumped right into the water. He's swimming, they come behind him, they're, they're hauling the nets in, right? They, they bring this net in, they arrive on shore, and, and what do they find? Well, Jesus is there, and he's made a fire, and he's got breakfast for him. In fact, he says, come and have breakfast. Kind of a, hang on a minute, they... They get out, and Jesus has got some fish. He's got some bread. That should remind us of another miracle as well. But Jesus has got his own fish. He's got his own bread. What does he tell them? He says, come and bring some of the fish that you caught over here. The fish that they caught? They worked all night and didn't catch anything. He says, throw it on that side, and they have a huge catch, right? The only reason they caught those fish is because Jesus told them to do it this way. And they caught the fish at his word. But he invites them, come and bring your catch over here to what I have. If you haven't picked up on the the fish represent people, okay? Because remember, Jesus told them from now on, you're going to be fishers of men. Jesus was showing them by their own efforts, they're not going to accomplish anything. But at his word, they would accomplish more than they could ever imagine. But he invites them to bring some of their fish for breakfast. And I wonder what that would be like. You ever wonder what it would be like to sit down and have Jesus fix you breakfast? Just to arrive on shore and there's a nice little fire of fish and, and bread. Jesus asks you to clean the fish. You sit there and work with him beside him. And he broils up the fish for you and sits down. I, I, I bet money Jesus served them the fish. If you ever wonder what it'd be like to have breakfast with Jesus, one day you'll know. One day you'll get to sit down and sup with him in that way. Incredible thought. 
So they have breakfast, him and the disciples. Again, this is, their minds are still reeling from everything that's gone on. This incredible catch, Jesus has done it again. And that's where we're going to pick up today in the scripture. We're going to read John 21. We're going to begin in verse 15. Now before I read this, at some point after their breakfast, it seems that Jesus and Peter and John got up and took a stroll. Now there might have been the others with them. The only reason we say this is because in 2120, there's a mention of Peter noticing John following behind them. So we have to assume that that's what was going on. They were walking and John was following behind them. We don't know who else. They might have all been taking a stroll, but we know these three are together at this point. So beginning in verse 15, John 21, verse 15, said, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Jesus said to Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now I want to look at this real quick. In, in that those quick passage, you heard the word love quite a bit there, right? Love, 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 love. Well, one of the issues we have sometimes as we're reading scripture is we read in English. This was written in Koine Greek. And they have three different words for love. We use one word for love. They have the eros, which is the romantic love. The phileo, which is the brotherly uh, friendship love. And they have the agape love, that divine love, charity love, the love that doesn't ask for anything. And uh, can we go back a, a couple of slides? Go back to that first one in 15. Whenever Jesus asks him, do you love me? I tried to highlight it here in, in green. The love that Jesus mentions right here is from the root of the agape love. Do you agape love me? And then when Peter responds, he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love from the root phileo. You know that I love you. So Jesus says, do you love me with this divine love, this charitable love? And Peter says, you know that I love you, that brotherly love. That's not the question that Jesus asked, was it? So the second time, we see this repeated again. The second time, Jesus asked him again, do you love me with that term from the agape? And how does Peter answer? Again, with the fillet. Yes, Lord, you know I love brother, friendship, close. Again, not answering the question. And so he said to him, tend my sheep. Notice this, though. He doesn't answer the question, but Jesus still gives him a job to do. And then this third time here, Jesus asks him, Simon, son of John, do you, and he changed it, to match the love that Peter had answered with. This word right here is not the agape love that Jesus had been asking with, 
It's the Felice, which is from the phileo. He's asking him, do you from that phileo love me? And then Peter is grieved because Jesus had asked him this. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And as we look at this and consider it, I can't help. Jesus was asking him, basically, do you love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? And honestly, Peter felt like he didn't. Peter had denied him three times. When Jesus needed him the most to stand up for him and to say he knew him, Peter denied even knowing the man. So Peter probably didn't feel like he could answer that properly. So he uses a, a, a lesser form of love in his response. But even in his response, Jesus keeps commissioning him. He keeps inviting him, tend my sheep, feed my lambs. He keeps inviting him into this every time he, he keeps asking him this. Now, again, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. And on this shore, how many times does Jesus ask him, do you love me? Three times. And how many times did, Jesus, did Peter confess that he loved Jesus? Three times. Okay? Now notice, again, despite that, he, Peter, there's no way Peter felt worthy to have this conversation with Jesus. He knew he had let him down, but still Jesus is there inviting him to follow him giving him a commission. He does this. Now, now that I've pointed out that distinction there, I, I want to make something real clear. Um, agape love and phileo love are mentioned in the scripture, sometimes interchangeably though, okay? So I don't want to make too big of a point of this. More than anything, I think it grieved Peter because that being asked three times, three times, three times, that was exactly how much he denied Jesus. Jesus asked him and allowed him to confess himself. And did Jesus reject Peter or did he receive him? He received him. And then we go on in the scripture and Jesus actually tells Peter how he's going to die. If you remember in the earlier chapters, Peter told, he said, Lord, even if all these others abandon you, I will not, I will die with you if I have to. And in this section of scripture, Jesus actually tells Peter how he will die. That he, in fact, will be crucified. That he will die a martyr's death for him. But Jesus gives Peter a mission. To feed my sheep. He gives him the honor of martyrdom. You denied me at one point, but when it comes down to it in the future, you won't deny me. And then he invites him again. Look at these last uh, words here in this passage. And he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show him by what kind of death he was to glorify God. So that Peter would also be crucified. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. One of the things I want us to understand and remember as followers of Jesus 
is that you will mess up, you will fail, you will not get it right all the time. It's going to happen. And there might be times in your life where you feel like, you know, I've done this now, I was so, I was so close to God, but now that I've done this, I'm really far away. And that's not true. Because the invitation of Christ is, is follow me. As long as you're alive, the invitation from Christ is follow me. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how much you keep messing up. I don't care how much you keep failing. Follow me. Repent and believe. That's not just for unbelievers. That's for believers as well. When we find ourselves in sin, when we find ourselves failing him, the call of Christ is to turn away from sin and believe in him. Follow me. You are forgiven of your sin. That sin is dead to you. Follow me. That's an encouragement to us. You know, you would think, though, after Peter gets restored, right? Surely now Peter's going to be on the right track. He, he denied Jesus, but the risen Lord has seen him. He's seen another miracle. Jesus has told him, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, you know, feed my lambs, follow me. So now Peter's right back on the right track, isn't he? Well, it doesn't last very long. Look in verse 20. It says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who had also leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? So Peter is talking to Jesus and he turns and looks back and sees John, right? And he says to Jesus, when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Because Jesus just told Peter how he was going to die, right? And what does Peter turn around and do the next thing? Well, what about him? And Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remain until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. Now, we don't know the motivation for this question with Peter. We don't know if he was asking out of actual sheer concern for John, or if he was just kind of meddling in business and trying to get the attention off of himself. In all honesty... If he was actually concerned for John's welfare, I think Jesus' response might have been a little softer. But either way, I love Jesus' response to this question. He says, well, what about, well, what about him, Lord? What if, you know, yeah, you've dealt with me. Okay, you dealt with me, God, right. But what about him? And Jesus says, what if, if it's my will to blank with him, what's that to you? You follow me. This is a lesson I think us church people could use sometimes. Amen? I mean, we can get real concerned with what else is going on in somebody else's business, especially when we just got through messing up. It's kind of human nature to say, well, yeah, I know, Lord, but it was Eve. She gave me the fruit. We're real good at trying to take the attention off of ourselves and cast it onto the other. So Jesus would remind us, he'd say, if it's my will to whatever with them, what is that to you? You worry about me and you, you follow me. you got to remember that God has a very specific plan for you. He has a very specific plan for them. You let God deal with them, and you follow Jesus. And then if you ever think to yourself, well, 
that pastor, that's not me. I don't do that. That's not, that's not talking to me. That's not, mm-mm, that ain't me. That's somebody else. So sorry, you're probably the person that actually needs to hear that the most. You ever think it's not you? These, these scriptures should cause us to reflect on ourselves every time we see something like this. It should cause us to realize, oh, do I do that? I need to turn away from that and not. Oh, do I do that? I need to turn away and follow Jesus. But again, the point here about Peter, he denied Jesus when Jesus needed him the most. He said, I don't even know this man. I don't know what you're talking about. And yet, what did Jesus do to him? He gave him the gracious invitation, follow me, tend my sheep, follow me. So every single time you mess up, every single time you fail, every single time you fall short, the Lord is looking at you and saying, follow me. Follow me. What? Don't worry about that. What is that to you? You follow me. Turn away from that. Leave that behind you. Follow me me again this is for christians as much as it is for unbelievers we as believers need the gospel as much as unbelievers do every moment of every day we live by the grace of god and the gracious invitation of jesus christ follow me let's pray our heavenly father Lord, we thank you for this this invitation from your son that, that we know we don't deserve, God. As we look at the life of Peter, we, we see so many times that he did so many things and your response to him was always the same. Follow me. You kept inviting him back. You kept restoring him. You kept renewing him. All because you had paid for his sins. You wanted him to live a life that was walking in step with your spirit. To turn away from the things of this world. To turn away from our our sins and our failures. To turn away from all those things that you died to free us from. And that we are free from. So Lord, I I pray for every person in this room. For those who, who have brought things in with them, God. There's things that people in this room are dealing with that you forgave them of long ago. But they keep carrying it around. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit today would move in such a way that they know they have the invitation. Set that down. I have forgiven you. Come and follow me. I pray, God, that you would free us from our own burdens that we place on ourselves, that you would free us from from chains that we have wrapped ourselves in that we won't let go of, God. Free us to look only to you and to follow you by faith, to let go of ourselves and hold on to you alone. God, I pray that you would move in such a way that we would know that to be true and that we would live by that truth each and every moment of every day. I pray that we would hear that invitation 
and that we would follow you today, Lord Jesus. We pray this in the name of our Lord, our Savior, and our King Jesus. Amen.